Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Kelsey Patel is a sought-after Reiki healer and spiritual empowerment coach who's one of my favorite people as she has amazing energy. And even though we recorded this podcast before COVID-19, her message that she shares in the title of her first book, Burning Bright, Rituals, Reiki, and Self-Care to Heal Burnout, Anxiety, and Stress is more relevant than ever. We first had her on the podcast in episode 107, so you're going to want to check that out, and it's great to have her back today. Kelsey, welcome. Hi, I'm so happy to be back. Congrats on the new book, Burning Bright. Thank you, thank you. And so... Well, we have to start. It's the title's Burning Bright. Yeah. So let's start with burnout. <laughs> what is happening? What is happening? You know, I burnout now, it's funny because when I had when I was writing this book, it was probably a year ago, and burnout was not anywhere near as mainstream as it is now, where you hear and see burnout articles everywhere. And it's real. And fortunately, we have things we can do about it. And unfortunately, burnout's not going anywhere right now. And I think that the book, but more than that, all the practices that are available to us that maybe aren't as mainstream as going to a doctor and different things, they are available to us all day, every day. And it's about creating micro changes for the macro shift in your life. And that to me is how, the only way that we're gonna start to shift burnout. I like that, micro changes, macro shift. You know, one of my favorite lines, I catch myself as an entrepreneur, we always, you tend to like, you set a goal. It's like, okay, let's let's go reach the goal. And then you get to the goal and you have the next goal. And when you talk to other entrepreneurs, wherever you are in the business, however people define success, you know, whether it's by you know, revenue or headcount or profitability, people say, oh, I can't wait till I, till I get there. And what I always say, you know, your problems don't go away. They just change. It's yeah. not like we got to a certain level in this, having done this 10 years. It's, it's, it's a metaphor for life, too. Like, your problems don't go away. You they are just the common change. denominator, you know? And I think that's that's exactly it, is striving can create the sensation of the same mechanisms that people use for survival, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you're constantly going and doing and needing more and more. And to me, it's like this idea of, I want to see achieving become I'm overachieving, <laughs> you know, like I'm done <laughs> achieving. I like that play on words. Really needing to have a shift in our mindsets because the truth is, you know, burnout is there, but burnout is also something that is more or less for most people, it's needless suffering and it is self-induced. And if you don't start chipping away, and that's what those micro moments are, if you don't start chipping away at the ways that you are showing up in the world to achieve the things that are your goals and dreams, then you're never going to be present for the moments when something really great happens to be able to like take a step back and see and feel and be in the moment of it so that you can give yourself space and permission to know your rhythms. If you've done a big project or a big output, it's like a wave, you're gonna have that crash. And Mm -hmm. you need to be able to take time to give the rest and repair instead of this hustle and grind mode all the time. So did you have a breaking point? I wouldn't say that mine was like, a fall to my knees moment where it was an epiphany. It was my burnout built up gradually 
and it became so, um, what's the right word? It was so slow in its graceful presence <laughs> that I don't think I recognized the signs as I was in the midst of burnout. I just dealt with it. I had, you know, as you know, I had really bad debilitating back pain. I had a lot of anxiety, but I didn't think it was anxiety. I thought I was a super achiever. <laughs> I thought I was a get shit doneer kind of a person that I just had a different speed and a different tempo that I had more desires than, you know, it, when I say it now, it sounds very egomaniacal, but mm -hmm. it was this idea that I could keep going. And what I didn't realize is that I was suffering in the process. What are some of the signs? So some of the signs, at least for me and, you know, the many different people that I've worked with over the years, it could be this feeling that there's always more to do. And I think many people feel that, sure, right? I feel that. Yeah, right. Who doesn't? I mean, I feel that. I'm, I still feel it. It's a, but in those moments, it's not. It's noticing it and noticing if your mind is just continuing to race, and if it's even if you do have a to do list, which great, many of us do. It's about knowing that you get to also turn off and have the quiet space and the moments where there is no need for doing because you've done enough. Um, so people to me who experience burnout don't have good sleep. I mean, really burnout comes from stress, right? And stress mm -hmm. can impact so many different parts of our lives from sleep to sex drive, to our health, our physical health, our blood, anything. You run a blood panel on somebody mm -hmm. who's stressed and even if they're eating the right foods, they're still gonna have deficiencies in certain areas or inflammation in the body. There can be fog, brain fog, there can be lack of mental clarity, there can be exhaustion. I mean, the list goes on on for people who have burnout, but the burnout is coming from stress. And I think one of the biggest things that people don't talk about is mental burnout. We believe in the physical burnout, like, oh, I'm so exhausted, but people don't realize that many times that physical exhaustion is coming from the mental fatigue because you've not given your mind space and permission to get quiet. So in terms of getting quiet, finding that space, is there a minimum? What do you think? Like, is there a certain amount like you kind of need, you know, for example, with regards to sleep, there are many will say, you know, functional medicine doctors like, okay, you need to uh, have your electronic sundown, no TV, lights down, devices off, temperature, like it, it just creates, and there's a, there's a ritual to that, but sort of gets you in a quiet space, getting ready to to go to bed versus what a lot of people do, TV on, Netflix, Narcos. I just watched Narcos Mexico Narcos. too, so you know it's pretty good. I, I just love the history, like all oh, this stuff really happened. It's mind blowing. I know, blowing. same, my husband and I are obsessed uh, with it. Not, not, not optimal for great sleep, but uh, we have a sleep product for that. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, my body green. <laughs> magnesium plus, that helps. But like, it's like, but I think so many people do that. They're, you know, binging on Netflix, watching TV, checking social media, texting, not ideal. But where I'm going is, I feel like that's so many people are constantly doing something. How do we create that space and how can we incorporate it into our day without, you know, having to, uh, in one extreme, go into seven day Vipassana? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I, again, I go back to that 
micro moments for macro shift because it's not, oh, if I have a morning ritual and if I have an evening ritual, then I did it good and then I did enough. It's, well, what does your day entail? If you have a lot of interaction with a lot of people and you're more of an introvert and that puts your system into a stress mode, even though it might be a joyful experience, your body can still interpret it and have different triggers that go off in those moments. And it's really about meeting yourself. If you're on a retreat, you might not need the same morning ritual and evening ritual mm -hmm. that you're gonna need when you live in New York City or you have a big upcoming event. You know, to me, it's about finding those down moments throughout the day, even if it's taking a break from work and going for a five minute walk and not taking your phone with you and breathing, really taking some conscious breaths. It's, you know, in the book I mentioned something as simple as a hand washing ritual that if very you- Very appropriate these days. Yeah, very appropriate right now. Coronavirus, everyone's yeah. gonna wash their hands. Yeah, exactly. But not just washing the hands for that moment of, you know, what we physically need to wash off, but also energetically. So it's, you know, it's energy hygiene, it's mental hygiene, it's physical hygiene, the same way that you would go to the bathroom every day multiple times a day and you don't think about it it's connecting to yourself each day and asking mentally do i need a little break right now oh physically do i need to stretch my body right now those people want to believe that it's much harder or needs to be more regimented than it actually does it's really getting in tune with yourself getting radically curious about how you're showing up to the day about what triggers you into stress and you may not even be aware of it. And then finding something that you can do for yourself to help shift that vibration so that it's not this compounded mm -hmm. stress that's built up throughout the day. It's, and then you take it home and you're like, oh, I can't, I gotta watch Netflix. I need to, uh, I'm gonna have a glass of wine. It's not letting it build up into the red zone is my, my opinion and what I practice and also what I teach to people. What if you're someone like me, like you, really passionate about what they do, love what love what we do? I think when that happens, you just end up working more. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. I mean, look, I'm I've been on in New York for six days. I told you today, I just woke up with a cold sore, but we're not going to get it right all the time. It's not going to be perfect every time, but we can learn over and over and over again. And to me, in my life, I'm not going for perfection. I'm going for as much peace, as much ease, as much grace, and as much um, compassion for myself and my humanness in the journey. And I mess up all the time. And people that I know that are like you and so many that want to do well in the world and they wanna to contribute to the world and they wanna help and they wanna show up in integrity, what I would say to them and what I say to myself often, almost probably every day as a reminder is, you can do what you love and you can do great things and you don't have to suffer to do it. And I need that constant reminder when, let's say it's the end of the day and I've had tons of meetings and all I want is a hot shower and to meditate and read a book and I know I need to come down because my energy's been really high all day and I'm happy, I'm not stressed about it. It's actually joy because I feel really great. That's not every day, by the way, but on those days, I'm actually aware that I'm still on the mouse wheel. And so I have to do everything that I know works for me to be able to give my mind and my body permission to unwind mm. from the day. And 
some days it looks like laying on the couch watching Netflix and just laying with a blanket and a cup of tea. And some days it looks like having a dinner with my girlfriends and just talking and loving up on each other. Other times it's being alone and telling my husband, I'm going to go journal or I'm going to go have a bath. Even though my mind wants to post Instagram stories and write a newsletter to everybody because I'm feeling so passionate and fueled. And I know that that's not good for me. So I choose not to step into it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I have to comment. I love that you said hot shower because, you know, cold showers, cold baths are all the rage. Everyone, you know, <laughs> yeah. talking about the health benefits and Wim Hof. And I'll, I just, I'm not into it. Yeah. I just, it does not bring me joy. Yeah, I, look, I hear you, brother. I, when I go to the Korean spa, I'm happy to do a cold dip. You know, I'm happy to get in the cold water. But on an everyday basis, if I put my body in cold water, I it actually stresses me. It out. does. I just I'm not. I'm sorry, Wim Hof. Sorry, everyone. I'm just, I don't you know, disagree I'll, with the method. I'll intermittent fast for longevity, but the yeah, the, cold, yeah, yeah. the cold showers, cold baths. I'm just I'm but not, also, not for me. That's a reminder that like know thyself you know that's what we know about ourselves right now so you're a reiki healer and in the context of reiki you know where does reiki fit into to burnout what are some of the you know tools that we can use from reiki in in real time some of those micro moments to help help manage all of this absolutely so reiki to me is just one of many tools that i hope everyone allows themselves to have in their tool belt, right, of life. And for me, Reiki was the thing that really helped me understand that I could move energy in my own physical body um, without needing to book an appointment, which sometimes can take a long time. It can be expensive. Um, So for me, in the book, which I'm really excited about, I teach people how to do Reiki on themselves so that you don't I mean, there's a beauty in getting an attunement and and having Reiki certification. I teach it as well in the world. But I wanted people to recognize and understand that two minutes of breath and connection to source and allowing yourself to receive and clear out energy can make a huge difference in the next moment of your day. And we're all energy. We're all composed of energy. And the energy that you show up with in the world is going to be reciprocated. So if you give yourself these mini moments of connecting, breath is a beautiful entry and portal into releasing stress and energy. Reiki is connecting you to your breath and connecting you to source so that you can ask for support and receive that support so that you don't have to walk around throughout the day and become a martyr or believe that Mm -hmm. you have to do it all on your own. And that's the only way that things are gonna get done. So when you go to a uh, cocktail party or you're traveling and someone says, what do you do? And you mentioned Reiki, what, what are some of the more interesting responses you get from people? Uh, and how do you, question. and how do you hold that space and provide a, an answer not filled with the F bomb? Right, right. I, you know, it's funny. I still feel weird calling myself a Reiki healer. I don't ever really like to say the words like I'm a healer or I'm a Reiki master. It sounds, I don't, I don't know what the right word is. It doesn't sound, um, it just doesn't sound like it's, it's, it's me as much. And so I tell people that I am a teacher or I will call myself um, a spiritual empowerment coach 
or um, and then they'll be like, what? <laughs> That you can see their brains sure. firing and figuring out in the neurons where that belongs. And then, you know, and then I'll... If you're in the west side of LA, they're probably like, me too. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if you're visiting your parents in the Dakotas, yeah. you're like, well, they're should like, we call the police? Like, what is that? Reiki? Is that a cooking method? Um, it does sound like a cooking method. It does, yeah. It does. Like a way that you... And it kind of is, you know, you can Reiki your food, um, as I teach my students. But... I would say for me, the funniest moments are my husband um, is in a very different profession than me. And we'll have dinners with like JP Morgan or Goldman Sachs. And they, you know, in the beginning, I, I mean, I've been doing this now for a decade almost. So 10 years ago, people were like, what? What is that? And now it's so much more commonplace. Sure. And people, the term is, is definitely a lot more, um, a lot more out there and we had dinner recently with our friends uh from jp morgan that were in la and one of the guys they now love talking to me about it typically our conversations are more geared towards my work than anything else and one of the guys on the trip had on when they were there said he and his girlfriend recently went to a retreat in mexico and he had reiki for the first time and he couldn't wait to tell me about his experience <laughs> so i actually have to say now in 2020 if I'm on a plane or anywhere I am, people want to talk about it. People want to tell me their experiences, even if it has nothing to do with Reiki. They want to tell me their experiences with the shaman or with their acupuncturist or a meditation app that they did, which I love <laughs> because it's just making it more um, common and it's making it more conversational than ever before. Well, a lot of people will say money's energy. That probably piques the interest of this fellow at JP Morgan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, also, they're burnt out. Yeah. You know, the truth is that people are, you know, I think it was 80% of people. I have a bunch of statistics in the book because I also really want to talk to people from a fact-based Let's hear the experience. stats. You okay, all right. Here's, I'm going to rattle some stats off to you guys. So 80% of people say they have work stress and 40% of them say that they have extreme work stress. So imagine what that's a lot doing. Of people. That's a lot of people, right? Um, stress costs employers $300 billion every year. I believe that's to manifest itself in uh, yep. healthcare costs. 90% yep. yeah. of doctor's visits are for problems related to stress. Believe that too. Stress, I'm sure you know this, stress can shrink your brain. It shrinks the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that manages our highest cognitive abilities. Over time, stress disconnects circuits in this part of the brain, causing confusion, brain fog, and trouble concentrating. Chronic stress can also strengthen the parts of the brain that default to emotional responses and impulsive behaviors. And then this is one of my, when I saw this, I was like, I have to get this book out into the world. In the 1960s, Americans had among the highest life expectancy in the world. And today the U.S. ranks at the bottom of major developed nations. And for the first time ever recorded, life expectancy in the U.S. has dropped three years in a row. And it's mostly because of deaths of despairs deaths of despair, which is huh. actually related to stress. It's drugs, alcohol, and suicide. And part of that, and I talk about this in the book, is this idea of loneliness. 
loneliness epidemic. Yeah. And part of, you know, in the book, I talk about the triad of wholeness. We've all heard mind, body, spirit. And I changed it in the book to rock, paper, Reiki. And, <laughs> you know, rock is the body. It's the physical connection with the earth. It's what we eat. It's how we, how we connect with our physical bodies, how we take responsibility for them. The paper is, is the mind, is looking at your thoughts on paper, figure, doing journaling exercises, rituals for intention setting, just really getting into your mind and how you absorb information. If it's reading, because everything that you do and I do is based on imprints. It's the imprints of our life. It's what we've experienced, what we've been taught to know, what we've been taught by our families. And then the last community, Reiki, it's not just about Reiki, but it's about spirit. And spirit is also, to me, considered community. It's a feeling of belonging. It's a feeling of connection. It's a feeling of that energy of being so loved and feeling that you can walk through the world with a sense of support. Some people call it faith, you know? Sure. So I'm glad you mentioned the loneliness epidemic. We had Celeste Headley another great author on the podcast recently and we talked about wait the did you just call me a great author yes great author oh, so exciting <laughs> this is my first book i still feel unreal you're on the myself. podcast you gotta know, be great to be I'm on just, the podcast i agree with that but i'm just saying it feels so cool to hear my name in the midst of authors plural there you others. go well celeste headley was on and we talked about the loneliness epidemic and she had a you know we were essentially a great tip and in theory, uh, loneliness, it, it's, not a, it's not necessarily about uh, the super deep connections or having a ton of friends. We talked about Dunbar's number, like this idea that like you sort of max out at like 150 friends and why, you know, face, if your friends on Facebook really don't matter. But what, what was so interesting <laughs> is the idea of that conversation you have on the line at Starbucks with a common stranger where it's just, hey, how's it going? Or simple as that or what flavor did you get or how are you doing today that banter if you will is such a huge benefit and as we think about the loneliness epidemic it's that simple hello is just enough so i go back to so what's the rock paper reiki version of i'm on the line at starbucks how do we take this a step further instead of just, you know, hi, good morning, how are you doing? Like, what what's your version of that as we look to fight the loneliness epidemic? Yes, um, I can't. I'm gonna not get the quote exactly right, um, but there's a beautiful Mother Teresa quote, and it's about making everyone feel happier after they've been in contact with you, right? This idea that to me, you know, with the title Burning Bright, it's like walking around in your essence of brightness. And if you are willing to do these little micro acts for yourself every day, you get to walk out in the world from a place of fullness where you aren't needing anyone else in the outside world to give you that energy, you're not seeking it from outside of yourself. You have this well and resource from within. And if you have that, then you get to go out in the world and help spread it. And we're all mirrors to each other, right? Mm -hmm. So I go into a coffee shop, happened today, and the person that's across from me at the counter or next to me, there's we're smiling at each other. How's your day? It's great. How's yours? My day's great too. You know, it's just this, it's the human connection, as you say. And I think what a lot of people forget is that you do have the power 
to fill yourself up. And sure, we all need support sometimes from people. I certainly do as well, from anything from a massage to a phone call to whatever it may be. But I do think if everyone takes a little bit more responsibility for their own well-being, then we can walk out into the world together. And that's when you can actually lend a hand to someone is mm. because you're not annoyed that they are taking forever to walk through the grocery door because they are trying to get their cart out. You help them. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's really about filling yourself up and then you can go out and fill the world. So what's your non-negotiable for anyone listening right now? Like they must do, it's like starting today, doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You, you have to be able to do this one thing. Check in, a daily self-check-in. If you don't know what you need, how the hell is anybody else going to? <laughs> so what, is, what does that look like? So to me, that looks like um, one of my favorite things, and I go through a whole process of this in the book, but it's as simple for people with their morning rituals. There's a reason everybody talks about morning rituals. It's because it matters. Right. And you know, I know that there are parents, you certainly, you and Colleen have two small children. I mean, you have to find the moment when you can get it. It might not be right away when you wake up because you might get woken up by your kids. Correct. Right? So it might not be the moment that you would normally want, but you still get to be able to make that moment for yourself. It could be sitting in your car before you go into work and taking those five minutes, those two minutes. And that self-check-in looks like a few deep breaths, scanning your body, seeing if there's any areas of tension or if something has just caught itself in your body from the beginning of the day or from night what your upcoming day is, the anxiety might start to build. You breathe, you send breath to that area of your body, and then you can place your hands on your heart and ask yourself, what's one self-loving act or what's one self-loving choice that I will make for myself today? It's that simple. And do you take inventory at the end of every day? sense like hold yourself accountable like okay you can but to me sometimes that's like more of a to-do list thing right. is to oh now i've got to do my gratitude list and now i've got to then you stress do, 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 out do about it. it yeah and then it's like oh i didn't do it yet oh the energy right. of that inertia to me i just want people to be kind and gentle with themselves and show up for yourself because if you don't then you're going to go out into the world with that energy and hope and expect for other people to show up for you and you're going to get disappointed agree so my last question we were talking about this before you came on but you know you travel the world you work with all sorts of people individuals groups like what's like the craziest story you've heard <laughs> or seen witnessed firsthand and what the power of Reiki can really oh do. Oh my God, this one's crazy. I went to a, I went to a Marianne Williamson talk. Um, That's crazy right there. Yeah, right. For some, yeah. This <laughs> for many was people actually, listening. this was before she was running for president. <laughs> this was years ago. This was probably two years ago. So just to be, to be clear, it was two years ago. Um, and I was so excited. I was going with my friend and as we were walking in, she, my friend sees somebody she recognizes. They say hello, and the woman's kind of like hobbling. And she has a sandal on with something wrapped around her foot. And she goes, oh, I'm so, she's like, I had to come tonight, but I, I was getting out of a car. I had the most freak accident today. I sprained my ankle. Her ankle was swollen. And I felt this energy come through me. And I, we just met. And I asked her if I could rake her ankle. We're standing outside the theater. And she's like, oh my God, yes, please. So I reiki her ankle for probably 
less than three minutes. We go in, we have the event, we all leave, say goodbye. The next day, my friend texted me and shared a text from her friend that said, who was that woman? Because I woke up this morning and I am completely able to walk. My swelling is gone and I know I had a sprained ankle and I don't know what happened. She was so weirded wow. out about it. Um, and then there's little silly ones where the other day I did a workshop and a girl, it was like 3.30 p.m. She had a hangover and she said she had tried every- 3.30 p.m. Yeah. she had a hangover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe she needs more than the Reiki workshop. She was young <laughs> <laughs> and she'd had a full work day and she said she had tried everything that day that quote unquote cures hangovers. And I had done a Reiki workshop and she's like, my hangover is completely gone. So I never had tried Reiki and now I am an absolute believer. Wow. Yeah. Professional sports teams ever reach out? It's funny, I've worked with, I'm trying to think of or who. Athletes. I've worked with athletes before. Um, you know, they're so, athletes are so sort of trained in the, the matter, yep. you know, um, so, I would love to work with them. But they're more also, athletes. some of them will try anything too. Like, especially when they have an injury, it's like, I'll do anything. Absolutely. And look, it goes with everybody. I mean, I think there's so much, and Reiki is so much more beyond the physical too. I mean, Reiki can, has, I've watched it clear um, traumas for people. I've watched it, um, especially coupled with EFT, emotional freedom technique, mm -hmm. the tapping. Um, and just overall like micro shifts in practice. I've watched people shift from like a horrible divorce and bankrupt to an amazing love and abundant, you know, just I've seen the abundance and the shifts for people in many ways. I've helped not, I don't mean to say me, but I've, I've worked with people who have had a newborn baby and they've had an insane fever and I've sent distance Reiki and the next day the baby's out of the hospital, you know? So it's just, I think part of it's intention and prayer and it's the Reiki itself. But to me, every one of us has this ability inside and it's not something that anyone um, needs to feel that there's a barrier of entry to. So really last question, I mean it this time, how do we tap, how do, how can we all tap into that? If we all, if we all have book. it, I know, well, <laughs> obviously you pick up the book, but like, like, how do, how do we tap into that? I think first it's a choice. You have to be willing to choose to be open to this, that, you know, there's, there's a willingness because as, as you've, I'm sure seen, and I know that you like energy work as well and have had your own experiences with it. If you weren't open to it and you didn't believe that it would be supportive of you, how much do you think it was actually going to help you? Right. So it's like anything in life. If you don't think that it's something is possible, then it's not going to be possible. Right. So to me, it's it's a mindset. It's really a willingness. And I grew up Catholic and there's a lot of people that reach out to me asking me, about how to balance being religious and having some sort of like a traditional connection to faith and also Reiki and practices like yoga and different things. And um, to me, I, I have all of it incorporated and it just feels beautiful to me and it feels abundant and it feels very connected. And you have to be mutually ex exclusive. Yeah, not yeah. at all. And I think the same thing with doing this on yourself, Reiki might not be the thing for you. It could be um, 
a vipassana meditation. It mm-hmm. could be acupuncture. It could be a really amazing kundalini yoga class. It could. There's so many different avenues. It could be walks in nature. There's so many different ways that each of us can tap into this this source energy. It's just about knowing yourself and figuring out which one feels right for you and which one feels like it's going to be the most supportive for where you are right now. Amen to that. Amen. Thank you, Kelsey. Thank you, Jason. Mm-hmm.